I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast, and I've got the three biggest factors that I see that could fix the Steelers offensive line this year and turn them from being very meh last year to very hmm this year. We'll talk about that and more right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button on this video if you enjoy it. Hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content and our sometimes. We have uh, breaking news updates right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. As always, and always remember... Uh, if you want to check us out, we're on all those different platforms. Give us a five-star review with a positive comment on Apple Podcasts. Do both at the same time. I get you a shout-out at the end of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all season long with our props, odds, and lines that ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, now that that's been said, I want to talk to you guys about the offensive line today. We talked a lot about the defense. We talked a lot about, you know, about, about the, you know, Larry Ogunjobi, Minka Fitzpatrick, all these signings last week done a lot about that we've talked about Deontay Johnson but the offensive line is of course a huge part of what the Steelers need to be this year need to improve on this year so I've got three things that I see being the biggest factors to the offensive line taking that step forward I'm not saying top 10 offensive line or even top 15 just get around that six to get around mid-level area like even if you're the 18th 19th best offensive line I know there's that's not a, a stat that's a thing you know I'm just but I'm saying if you're one of the decent offensive lines of the NFL that's going to help with the Steelers a lot with the playmakers that they have on offense, whether it's Najee Harris, Pat Frymuth, Pickens, Johnson, Claypool, all those guys with their new young quarterbacks and Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and everybody um, and the defense. And I do think the defense is, is in a position where they could get back to being a top five unit this year. However, the offensive line has three things to do chief among them is that James Daniels has to be the leader that he's being talked about to be. Now, I've brought this up several times over now. Uh, you know, when I first walked into the OTA's locker room back in May when the Steelers were, were meeting and hanging out and guys and guys are getting to fill each other out, James Daniels, the free agent that they signed from the Chicago Bears, everyone was talking to him like, oh, yeah, that's the leader of the, of the, of the offensive line now. And there's excitement behind that, right? Because last year they were hoping that leader was going to be DeCastro. Then he finds out he's not going to play. They have to bring in Trey Turner. Trey Turner's kind of the leader, but it doesn't really stick. James Daniels is a 24-year-old guy who's had some really good years in the NFL. He's played four years, so he has the experience. He has the youth. There's some offensive linemen that are coming into the league at his age. I, I really see this potential for him being a guy. But what triggers it for me when I start when I when I think leadership and I think you know what you need from a guy to set a new tone for an offensive line that doesn't have any of the pieces of the great offensive lines of Steelers past whether it was you know David DeCastro of the 2000 or no, David DeCastro of the last year with of uh uh with Marquise Pouncey of the last decade or you know Alan Fanick or any of the guys of the decade before that you know there's no remnants of that that have that have snuck through uh from the Steelers best offensive line days but James Daniels one thing that I hear when I when I hear him talk about football I hear him talk about Pat Meyer the new offensive line coach is how 
he Pat Myers addressing them and he says he talks about hey like I've played left guard right guard and center and it does matter how a coach talks to you about what your weaknesses and what your strengths are and he says Pat Meyer individually is able to break each of us down for our strengths and our weaknesses and I think that is a key factor here is that one Pat Meyer is a big part of this but two on the field James Daniels, if he's a guy that can understand that and he's a guy who can lift lift other guys up around him, I think that's a big factor here. My second factor is the chemistry. It's not just one player. It's the chemistry between Kevin Dotson and Dan Moore Jr. Now, this presumes a lot of things. One, it presumes that Kevin Dotson wins the left guard position over Kendrick Green, which we have now acknowledged on this show and where I write SteelersNow.com, that there is a current battle between Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson. Both have said they're both splitting the snaps 50-50 right now in, in, in a minicamp and OTAs, so we need to see how that develops. But Kevin Dotson, before last year was looking like he could have been the guy at left guard. He got hurt. Didn't things didn't work out. He was adjusting from right guard to left guard needed to find his comfort zone. And then he got hurt and wasn't able to get back out there, but there's excitement behind the idea of he can be one of the better, uh, stronger guards or stronger players on this offensive line. So there's excitement behind that. And then there's excitement around having Dan Moore jr. With a second year to kind of continue developing at the left tackle position. Now, some people will say Dan Moore jr. Is a guard, but, I see these two as being a big factor here because if these two guys can be part of what the Steelers want to do in a power setting and, and, and working together, I think this gets something the Steelers that they haven't had since, you know, Pouncey and DeCastro were in their best days. And that's a strong one-two punch next to each other because one thing that Pouncey and DeCastro really had was when guys lined up in between them, when guys, they were able to communicate and blow guys off the ball, work, work around, pull, pull lead block, do what they need to do. The chemistry was there. The fire was there. And the more I talk to these guys, the more I get a sense that like, if there's a combo for that type of chemistry to happen, it's going to be from Dotson and Dan Moore Jr. And again, that's not saying that, Hey, Kendrick Green might win the job and they, they just can't happen. But from what when I get when I talk to Kevin Dotson and he talks about Dan Moore Jr., they talk about fishing trips that they plan together and just things that they're doing. You see there's chemistry of it here. And I wanted to include a little bit of this interview. It was just I talked to Dan Moore Jr. during minicamp for like about four minutes or so. But this was just a clip to give you a sense of this is him talking about Kevin Dotson. And then there's a little bit of Chikuma core for jumping in with a little bit of jokes because uh, he wants his shout out in the clip. Here's uh, here's Dan Moore Jr. of the Steelers talking. Man, it's like uh, it's almost like we don't have to tell each other anything. We kind of just look at each other. And, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. just like that continuity, um, that familiarity, familiarity with him. Um, yeah, he, Kevin, man, he's. He's a beast, dude. You just, he knows where to go and it's over with. So he, he makes it easy for sure. I understand. He's a junk dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a beast. Let's go, Dan. Show me out, Dan. Show me out, Dan. Show me out, Dan. Show me out, Dan. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. Back for the three years. Shout out to you. So as you can see, that was Chooks Chuk playing playing a joke on Dan while he was talking about Kevin and just being like, "Oh, okay, you want to hype up your boy? I get you." But that's also a cool thing that I see about this offensive line is they seem to genuinely like each other. They seem to like know each other, play jokes on each other, and every group has dynamics. But the offensive line seems to have that more than any other group. At least just sitting in the locker room, who jokes around the most when I'm in there during my availabilities and such. And I think there's value in that. But as you heard, when when, when Dan, Dan Moore was talking about Kevin Dotson, he's like, we, we look at each other, we understand things. 
That kind of chemistry was there for Maroon Foster, was there for Alejandro Villanueva. Pouncey was able to set that with the whole line. If those two can start that trend and, and build that and it gets to Mason Cole, who's supposed to start at center, and it gets to James Daniels and that, and that gets to Chooks, I think that's all a huge factor in, in how in how this plays out. But I think the third biggest factor is a thing that is, is what I mentioned briefly earlier in, in this. And it's not about one of the players. It's about the coach, Pat Meyer. Now, I've heard good things, but I also was hearing good things last year about Adrian Clem and he left in the middle of the season for Oregon. But the big thing that I've heard is the distinction between Adrian Clem last year and Pat Meyer this year. One, Adrian Clem was a first time. This was his first big job as far as, far as an offensive line coach in the NFL. And what, what we were hearing all minicamp last year, all training, get, oh, he wants us to be more physical. He wants us to be stronger. He wants us to be mean. And, and that's cool. But it seemed like that was the big the big note there. And when I asked Kevin Dotson for a difference there, he moaned like, hey, like, there, you know, we are trying to be me, but now we're more pointed in how we do so. We're more strategic for when we are doing that and how we attack those situations. So I see a difference in that. And I also see with Pat Meyer, this is being a big difference from how they can improve last year. If what James Daniels said is true, if Pat Meyer is the kind of veteran coach and he's been an offensive line coach in different parts of the league, he was just with the Carolina Panthers. If he can be the kind of coach that works with Kevin Dotson that says, hey, you got to be sharper on, on the left side and works with Chikuma Korfor that says, hey, your footwork is great over here, but you need to be meaner. You need to be able to get more physical in the run game. We need you to set the tone a little bit earlier. Don't let guys get into your pad level before you before you start to hit them with, hit them with your punch. If he can help each of them identify those weaknesses, strengthen them, and make them, uh, make them more solid offensive linemen, then you're looking at a much more cohesive offensive line, a group that doesn't have as many weaknesses as last year's had. So I think all of those play factors into it. I think Mason Cole also would play a factor into it with how he he plays at center because there's some that think he hasn't played great at center. But there's a question that I think that, that one of our listeners asked that I think is very interesting to how the dynamics of this group could play out. We're going to talk about that question in just a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. But first, got to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Stanley Cup Finals. Now, here's the thing, y'all. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think it's game six tonight. I'm recording this on Sunday before game six, so I have no idea how this went down. I'm hoping there's a game seven because it. I hate it when it's just baseball. Not that I hate baseball, but I, I miss it when there's – I love it when there's all four sports on. So, like, October is a happy month for me because – the you know baseball may be coming to an end, but but basketball and hockey have started up. Football's going on. So if you get if there is a game seven, go to betonline.net. It'll help you get you know play, make some money on the last piece of hockey for the rest of the year before we got to rely on baseball. But hey, baseball is in full swing. So go to betonline.net. They'll help you with those as well. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action when you visit BetOnline, where the game starts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that right below. Let's keep talking offensive line here. Now, it's crazy to think this, but could the Steelers have at least one offensive lineman that develops a name so well that they get back into a national conversation with the offensive line? Because for years, I, and I think this is one of those things that not just Steelers fans, because I do say Steelers fans get, get spoiled with the, with, the, with the talent level they've had, but all NFL fans get spoiled when they start to get used to one position or one player being so good for so long. And 
from the tw- for, for most of the 2010s, after like 2012, I'd say, the Steelers started to really put together an offensive line. It really started to click in 2014 with when Gilbert, DeCastro, and Pouncey had that time to build it up. And then you were just expecting every year, yeah, Marquise Pouncey, Pro Bowl, David DeCastro, Pro Bowl at one point, Villanueva got in that conversation. So that that's an interesting part. And now the Steelers, they don't have a guy like that. They don't have a guy that just gets those votes. But is there a guy that can get in the Pro Bowl con- conversation? That's what Nathan Glass, our friend from Los Angeles, I was asking for the show. How you doing, Chris? It's uh, Nathan Glass again from California. Uh, I had a question about the offensive line. Um, I know we're used to having pro bowlers on the offensive line, and I wanted to ask you, do you feel that anybody on the offensive line this year or this season can make the pro bowl? Um Thanks for taking my question, and I uh, hope to hear from you soon. Bye. Thank you, Nathan. We do appreciate it when anyone gets a chance to call into the show. Um, you know, y'all, you also should remember at any point in time, you can call into the show. It's 412-223-6644 or email lostealerstopicbag at gmail.com. If you're international, email us an MP3 of your question. Just make sure to include, again, your name and where you're from. We like to throw that in the show as well. But Nathan's question. I don't expect the Steelers player to make the, make make the Pro Bowl. Now, part of this is politics because there were plenty of years Marquise Pouncey should not have been in the Pro Bowl because, but he was voted in because a lot of fans when they do the voting and there's stuff, it's kind of pedigree. If you're a good offensive lineman or a great offensive lineman, we've known you to be one. We're gonna vote you in. But there were some years where Marquise Pouncey definitely wasn't the best center in the AFC or you know or one of the top centers in the league at the, at that point in time during the later part of his years but he would get in on name alone. And that's a factor that works both ways. It's great for the guys who are established, but it stinks for the young up and coming guys who might've made a difference. So if I was to pick any one guy, it would definitely be James Daniels. I talked about him as a leader. I think he can be a versatile player, but I think that they want to stick him at right guard. Let him be like the powerhouse of the group that kind of everyone gels around. It brings it together. Now here's one thing that I've seen over the years, Steelers fan voting for pro bowls does kick in. When the when fans there was at one point where John Bostic was the leading vote getter at the start of the Pro Bowl sitting for, for the linebacker. And I was just like, holy moly. Now, of course, that didn't last because John Bostic had a strong start to that year. I believe that was 2018 when he had that start to the year. And then as soon as teams realized, oh, wait, we, we should throw at him. Then, you know, his play went down and then the Steelers uh, his fans were like, yeah, OK, we're going to we're going to cut that. out. We're not going to vote for him as much. But. When it comes to the voting and the respect, a lot of it comes from guys who are just like, oh, yeah, that guy over there, because people don't pay as much attention to offensive linemen. It's different. You know, when a wide receiver gets 1,800 yards, everyone's like, oh, that guy over there. But an offensive lineman who has, you know, 10 pancakes, you know, and hasn't let a single guy get past him and touch his quarterback, that might be harder to notice and harder to talk about. People, people don't talk about that as much. It's not as fun, I guess, for a lot of people. But James Daniels has that potential. One thing I see that complain is factor is that he didn't make any Chicago Bears fan mad. They were disappointed, but they they were like, hey, we, we respect it, James. You got to go where you got to go. Management has been terrible for the Bears. So, uh, you know, there might be people that say, hey, we like James Daniels from the Chicago side. And if and if he say he is, is leading the charge and Najee Harris is having a phenomenal year and you need a face of the offense, Steelers offensive line to vote, vote for, maybe he does get that vote. Um, and maybe he becomes that guy that kind of steps up into that situation. And I think it would really be really cool for the Steelers to have that guy that everyone can kind of circle and say, oh, yeah, he is the new face of the Steelers offensive line. And again, he's 24 years old, so he has a name in the NFL and he's young so that he's has more time to build on it. 
Um, so to answer your question, Nathan, that would be my top guy. But let's explore across the board here. I don't expect Mason Cole to be that. I think that if he fits in, he's going to be kind of the center, the plate, the center placeholder. Because, and I've talked to um, uh, Luke Braun of, uh, of of Locked On Vikings. We've talked about this, and he's told me how like he he never felt like Mason Cole was most comfortable at center. His hands weren't up quick enough to handle the situation. But he's a he's a you know a, a comparable line, lineman. He's a guy that that works on details. He's not, he's a veteran for a reason. He's not a guy that's just going to slack off in his job. I do think that he's going to be solid, but I think a lot of what he's going to make him solid is how good the lines around him. He's got, he's not going to be a guy that I think lifts up the group more as like a glue piece that puts the best parts of the group together. Now, that guy, that, 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 another guy that could factor in here is Jakuma Korfor. Now you're probably thinking, Chris, you're crazy, but Jakuma Korfor is a guy who, again, like Daniels, 24 years old, been around the league, you know, has the rep. He has shut down Vaughn Miller on occasion. He has played very well in pass protection. But what has to happen somewhere along the line, and I put I put Kevin Dotson and Dan Moore, as I said in the last segment in this, there has to be somebody that sets a tone in the run game to be able to say, hey, I'm the physical force here. And Najee, we can, and the Steelers can feel like, hey, we're running Najee Harris behind this gap because this lineman is over here. You know, for years, the Steelers had to play where they pull, you know, two guards or, or a center and a guard or a tackle and a guard, and they would go out and lead block for guys. And that was their play. Najee Harris might not get that play. You know, that was a Todd Haley thing. But there needs to be offensive linemen, and maybe it is Dotson and Moore, and maybe Dotson could be in that conversation for, hey, if he has a really strong year, maybe he surges up the votes and gets and gets a Pro Bowl nod. But, you know, I, that's why I'm thinking James Daniels, and maybe even if James Daniels is having this big of a kind of year where he's bringing that, maybe Chikuma Korfor gets that chemistry with him, and the two of them become the guys that have that build a chemistry, and Najee Harris, they're going to the Steelers run Najee Harris behind them a lot. But I'm not so sure that it, it, even if this offensive line takes the step forward and let's say, let's say they get to top 15 in the NFL or even top 12. I'm still not saying top 10. I just don't see that at all for them because we had Brian Batko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on the show uh, last or two weeks ago, excuse me. And when we did, he brought up, he, he brought up what I, what I agreed with. And he said, the Steelers didn't do enough to add to this offensive line in the offseason. They had a lot of other projects to fix. They needed to get two new quarterbacks. They needed to, you know, re-up the wide receiver position, re-up the defensive line position. They've addressed a lot of those things, re-up at linebacker as well. So offensive line, they got one guy, James Daniels, they brought back a core four, and they got Mason Coles. They did an okay job, but they still, I think they still need to, in the long run, they're going to need another ace or another anchor type of piece to this offensive line moving forward. But here's the thing is if they're able to get at least one of these three guys uh, or one, one of any, any one of these guys on the five, but I, I really think it comes down to the best chances. James Daniels, maybe a core four because of his reputation or a Kevin Dotson, you know, but you know, any one of those guys becomes the power guy that, that you see on camera, bullying defensive linemen, creating the rushing lanes for Najee Harris to go through having the pancakes on the big moments. Those are going to be the defining the defining moments that I think gets pe more people's attention because those are the type of things that Pouncey and DeCastro did that made that got them their reputation. You just see DeCastro just bullying Vontez Perfect over the middle. You, you see Marquise Pouncey pulling and blocking, blowing up a guy in space. Those are the things that when you're watching Sunday Night Football and the announcer says, "Whoa, that's amazing," and then you see it back on Sports Center and then everyone's talking about it. That boosts your pedigree and that gets you more names. And, you know, Marcus Gilbert is a perfect example of a lineman who never got any credit, never made a Pro Bowl. Yet when he was in the game, I, I apologize, I'm not Dale Lally. He had this stat down pat like three or four years ago when we were talking about Marcus Gilbert. When he was in, the Steelers run game was a completely different force because 
to me, the anchors were always Pouncey, DeCastro, and Gilbert as a trio on the right side. Foster was very good. Villanueva was very good. They would hold down the left side. But you got behind those three, teams had a big problem. And I think that that's something. But Marcus Gilbert is a guy that he bullied people for years, but he didn't have the big name. He didn't you know, get the recognition. He was another guy who shut down Vaughn Miller, a future Hall of Famer, all 2010s decade team type of, type of guy. And he played, and he played him pretty pretty well. But he never got the credit, never got a Pro Bowl, and it's a shame because he was a heck of a player for the Pittsburgh Steelers before the injuries really took his career from him a little bit sooner than, than people hoped. But uh, again, to answer your question, Nathan, I'm saying James Daniels is the top answer. I know that's an easy one to pick at because I talked about him as a leader, but I really think if he can do that, it's part of what lifts up the rest of the team. We got a question about the defense in just a minute. We're going to talk about that right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we're continuing our discussion here on the Monday episode, bringing you back. Now, we've talked about it a lot about the offensive line, but there are a lot of questions about what the Steelers could do with the rest of their free agency money. Now, we do know, again, the Larry Ogunjobi contract took a maximum of $8 million. That's plus incentives. So I, I realize, I think I said this in a way that might have confused listeners, the $8 million is the most that he can make, even if his incentives kick in all the way. So his contract is not going to take up all that uh, all, all that $8 million that, that we're talking about there. So the Steelers are in a pretty good place right now, again, for for their for their for their cap space. Um, you know, you're you're looking at a team right now. That, st- that that still should should have around you know top 10 in the most money to spend right now um so and, and again I think that's a very good place to be um when you're when when you're looking at the situation and we're still waiting for the exact details on Larry Ogunjobi's contract um but I I still think yeah eight million dollars instead of this is great but where else can they use that money and last week I had Doran Dickerson on former NFL tight end uh and Pittman himself uh, and he came on talking about backup running back. But there's another backup position that's very important, and it's not exactly settled. Uh, we had this question from our friend Tim Wheeler in England asking about a specific position that Steelers could address. Hi, Chris. My name's Tim Wheeler from Melton Mowbray, England. I'm an avid listener of the Locked On podcast and love the show. I have a question about a depth position that hasn't been addressed during the off-season, and that's edge rusher. I don't see how anyone can expect Watt and Highsmith to make it through a whole season with no injury issues, and even if they do, they're going to need to be spelled during games. So who do you see on the current roster who is the next man up, or do you think the Steelers need to add? Thank you, and keep up the great work. Thanks, Tim. Always appreciate calls. And again, uh, if you're international like Tim is, he sent me an email, LOSteelersTopicBag at gmail.com. Uh, you can always send me an email with the MP3 if you're international and you don't want to pay fees to call a number in the U.S. Um, but, uh, but, but hey, we appreciate it. And again, so in, out in England, we got Steelers fans everywhere. Steeler Nation is everywhere. So remember that, Steelers fans. You're not alone. Whenever you're traveling, look for look to look, look Google up Steelers Bar where you're at to see if you're somewhere abroad and you just want to see where a new place might be. And you're like, oh, I might make some friends over there. But to answer Tim's question, um, the Steelers do have answers. 
there, or at least potential answers there, hopes there that could work out at the backup edge rusher position. Now, the the players I pictured, if you're watching on YouTube, and I put up the card of the players I use, that was first was Derek Tuska, who filled in last year. And I thought for an undrafted dude that was just brought up in the team, he did pretty well. I, I actually thought he, he held his own. The middle guy is a familiar person. If you're familiar with the Steelers, especially their preseason battles, and you're familiar with this podcast, we talked a lot about him. It's Tuzar Skipper. He was brought back during minicamp this past year. And, uh, yeah, he's wearing number 53, so that, that number's probably gonna, going to change at some point because, um, of course, that's uh, Kendrick uh, Green's number. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, but Derek, Derek Tuska – Put himself in, in there. Tuzar Skipper was a guy that in preseasons looked very good, then was let go, and other team you know has bounced around the league. Now he's back with the team. They wouldn't bring him back if they didn't like him. But Tuska had two sacks last year. Skipper was a guy that 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 you know looked good at times, and I think he can get back there. But the other guy, of course, is the guy that they did sign in free agency. And that's Gennard Avery, uh, former outside linebacker with the Eagles. So to answer your question, Tim, right off the bat, I put Gennard as the top option there because he's a veteran, he has the experience. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Derek Tuska or Tuzar Skipper putting up a really good fight in training camp and seeing these guys battle for more reps. Now, here's the other thing. As you said, they can't afford for that kind of a question with TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. They need to spell these guys, keep them fresh, keep the keep the bodies rotate rotating. They got a really good uh, you know chance last year with Taco Charlton coming in and you know having some big plays for them uh, and, and filling in well. I could see the Steelers making a move here watching other teams let, let go other outside linebackers, edge rusher type guys to say, hey, we're going to put you on the outside. We're going to put you out there and let you work behind Highsmith and behind Watt. And I think the other thing is that last year when they got uh, uh, Melvin Melvin Ingram last year, you know, I think Mel, Melvin said, hey, I'm open to being the backup. But I, I think deep down he, he thought he would beat out Alex Highsmith. And maybe he even thought he did beat out Alex Highsmith. But as a person who could tell you when I saw both of those guys work, he did not beat out Alex Highsmith. Um, and Alex Highsmith is a heck of a player. Also, congratulations to Alex Highsmith. He got married over this past weekend. Uh, hit him up on his Twitter account because it was uh, it was a very, some very nice pictures. Uh, and now they're on their honeymoon. So, uh, you know, congratulations to them. But again, Highsmith, what very important duo to this team. Um, and they need to keep these guys fresh. You need to keep these guys fresh with with guys that you can feel comfortable spelling, taking over for a series or two during a game. And I think Gennard Avery could be there. Now, we didn't get to talk to him during minicamp and OTAs. Just wasn't available, didn't happen. Maybe that, that, that happens during training camp. We get to see this guy in, in full action. But he's a veteran. We'll see how that play, plays out. But Skipper and Tuska each look like guys that could be those practice squad guys that step up, get better at their game, and kind of give you the effect of like, hey, these are these are the scrappers that earn their spot on the team. I still think the Steelers need a definitive veteran that's going to be like cool with running those backups. That's kind of like, hey, I'm the guy that comes in for these guys, and we're going to play to this level because this is what we're this is the standard that's expected of us. If the Steelers find that guy. I think they're in a great spot. I think that they put themselves in an awesome position to have that rotation on the edge. But Tim, it's a very smart question because the Steelers do need this this to work out. They do need uh, the the another the an edge rushing, I guess what you call it quartet. I guess that you would say because you need four. I'd want four guys on the Steelers, so a quartet or a quintet even. Uh, you know, getting a pass rush going off the edge and again keeping T.J. Watt. And, uh, and Alex Highsmith free. I know that he's not the defensive coordinator anymore, but Keith Butler always said this when I, when I asked him about it. And he would say, you know, we want our 
defensive stars to be the freshest and ready to go in the early part of the fourth quarter because that's when things start to turn. That's when the, the, the mistakes start to get made. That's when you've seen that their offense, they've seen your defense several times over, and now the, 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 the playmaking starts to come out and, and have the biggest impact on the game. So you want to make sure that, hey, in the, in the, in the second quarter and third quarter when your guys are going back and forth that – you're winning downs, but you're not winning downs just because T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith have been playing 95% of the snaps. Uh, you know that's easier to do for a um, you know that's easier to do for a, you know for a, a safety or a cornerback because they're not hitting somebody every single play like a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, a, an edge rusher. Those those guys, the offensive lineman, I guess it is easy to do for them because they do it all the time. Uh, but defensive, it's just a different thing to request of them. So. Again, Tim, to answer your question, Gennard Avery right now, Tuska and Skipper are your guys that are going to be battling back there. But I truly do think that if the Steelers get through training camp, they, they or even the first couple weeks of training camp, and they get to their first preseason game, and they're not happy with who they see, they start looking around. And, and you know, I, I keep floating this out there. If if Mason, if Kenny Pickett is solidified as the number two quarterback and Mason Rudolph becomes an attractive piece for some team to want to trade for because they desperately need an NFL quarterback arm, this is another position that you could say, hey, we'll, we'll give you our backup quarterback. You give us a, a depth edge rusher guy that's a veteran. Swap for swap, bing, bang, boom. You got an answer for a position that you don't have an answer for, answer for now. Um, but it does need to happen. I agree with I agree with Tim entirely. And uh, I, I, But I, I think, again, I don't think the Steelers rush into this situation. I think that they say, hey, let's bring these guys to camp and just see how they do. And then, you know, again, the, the pads will go on. We'll see backs on backers. We'll, we'll see like two weeks of, uh, of practices. We'll probably see a preseason game, kind of like how they did Robert Spillane last year where he played a preseason game or two, and then they said, oh, okay, no, 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 Joe Schobert, please come here, and they traded to get him. And I think that that will be a situation that you see the Steelers roll into. But. That's the situation with the backup edge rusher. Thanks again, Tim Wheeler, for your question all the way from England. Thanks again, Nathan Glass, for your question all the way from Los Angeles, California. And thanks again to you, our dear listeners and viewers on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. I'm Chris Carter, host of the Lockdown Steelers Podcast. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Find this show and all the places I just mentioned. Also, if you want to help out the show even further, go out um, to uh, go, go on Apple Podcasts. It was a five-star review with a positive comment. You both at the same time, and you get a special shout at the end of the show. Like this person who says, new listeners, five stars, just came, just recently came across this podcast and have been really enjoying it. I will be looking forward to new episodes as training camp approaches. Chuck Hakes, Scranton, PA. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate the five-star review. We just had another one that we read last Friday. Thanks to everyone who does leave five-star reviews. And hey, if you've already left one, leave another one with a positive comment. Gets you a shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks again. We'll be back tomorrow talking more about your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast.